We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let's get started this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you, Lord. Uh, We come to you today, Lord, unworthy, unholy, and a people of unclean lips, God. And we seek your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace. In a day in which so many things in our life preoccupy our time, our minds, and fight for our attention, God, I ask in your sovereignty this morning, would you capture our thoughts and our minds today in this service? Make this time acceptable, this worship honorable and acceptable to you. And God, forgive us our transgressions that we might come before you acceptable this morning. God, you give it everything through your Son Christ. And God, we want to give it all to you today. Our time, our minds, our hearts, that you ultimately might be exalted, Lord. Father, I pray for those that are not here this morning, that are sick and and not doing well. I pray, God, that you give them a peace and a comfort and... Lord, just touch their hearts today. And, and God, I just pray as I open your word this morning, as we continue to look through your book of First Peter, God, that you would use me and empower me with the Holy Spirit that I might speak truth. And we ask these things in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, we've been going through the book of First Peter. And uh, last week, if you remember, we spoke about longing for the pure milk of the Word. Uh, Desiring the Word of God is what it was. And we looked at Peter's prescriptions that were to help us put away those things, those sins that would prevent us from desiring God's words. This week we're going to be looking at Peter's response to the Christian faith again and how as Christians uh, we need to be unified as a body, unified as a church. Not only this church, but all churches across the world as one body to complete a task that God has laid before us as Christians. And the question that you and I need to ask ourselves is what is it? What is it? That He's laid before us. And to make sure that we are completing this task that God is giving us as Christians. And so if you will, let's turn into our text this morning. We'll be looking, if you will, in 1 Peter, beginning in chapter 2. And we'll be looking at verses 4 and 8. The the passage that we're really going to exegete is verses 4 and 5. And we'll finish up with 4, I mean 6 through 8. So if we will, turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, Through Jesus Christ. Here Peter is speaking to us as Christians. Explaining that we should be living in unity with one another. For the purpose of presenting ourselves 
as a holy and living sacrifice to the Lord. That we should be presenting sacrifices to the Lord which are acceptable to Him. And here are a few things that I would like for you to take home with you this morning as we look at this portion of Scripture. Number one, we need to continuously come to Christ. Secondly, we need to continuously bring acceptable sacrifices to God. Last week we looked at verses 1 to 3. And understanding these verses in light of these verses really helped bring it home of what's happening in these passages today. Last week, Peter wanted to draw us away from our sin so that we could begin to desire the Word of God. Not just thinking about the Word, but really craving it like you would a Mountain Dew or some other substance that you desire on a daily basis. Like food or like a, like a, 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 a baby would long for the pure milk of its mother. We need to crave this. And this is how we should be as Christians. Desiring and living as if we have tasted of the goodness of God. And that's what he talked about last week. And when we've done this, then we have number one, we need to continuously come to Christ. Right after questioning whether one has tasted the goodness of God, he says in 1 Peter 2.4, And coming to Him as, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. The ESV really, to me, communicates this passage a lot more clear. And, so it, and, and they begin it as this. It says, As you come to Him, Peter is simply pre-assuming that we as Christians are coming to Jesus Christ on a normal and a regular basis. Coming should bring not only just going to God, but it should bring the idea of drawing near to Christ in an intimate and personal way and really for the purpose of remaining there. And as, we, as when we looked at that in light of last week, we should need see that we need to desire the Word of God. Because it's through that relationship, the Word of God, in which we have with Christ that relationship through His Word as we draw near to Him. And so when we have that wonderful intimate relationship, because we're drawing close to God through His Word. That's how we have a relationship with God, through prayer, through the reading and teaching of His Word. And so we need to always be coming to Him. And so I ask the question, who is Him? When it says in coming to Him, who is He talking about Him? Well, if we just look back to verse 3 in this passage, it says... In respect to salvation, if you've tasted of the kindness of the Lord. So who is Him? He's talking about the Lord. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And now we understand that He's speaking of, of, of coming to Christ as a living stone. But as I stated, that a living stone, that makes no sense. There's no such thing as a living stone. I mean, when we built this garden, we placed a lot of stones. And none of those stones have life. So what is He talking about? What does he mean when he says to a living stone? Well, I think you will find that throughout the New Testament that Christ is many times considered the cornerstone. The cornerstone. And here in the Greek, the word that is used is lithos. Now that word can sometimes mean a, a stone that is precious and that has been carved. 
But most of the time, when lithos is used, it's used in reference to a building stone. Christ throughout the New Testament is called the rock. And the stone which the whole church is built on. This stone I also want to remind is a living stone. And while we can walk around and pick up rocks and stones that have no life, this stone is one that has life. And a stone that gives life. You and I need to continuously come to Christ. And we see that same direction in Hebrews 14.6. He says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Drawing near is what we need to do this morning. Listen, Peter uh, is saying that this Christ, this living stone, has been rejected by men. Now, he's probably referring to the Jewish leaders of those days and the Jewish people of that time. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he strokes his pen and writes this passage, he's looking years into the future, even into our day. And he's not only speaking of those in that day, but also... Those who've rejected Christ in our day. They viewed this Jesus and His teachings. Uh, they rejected Him as Messiah. They evaluated who He was, what He claimed to be, and they said, this can't be the Messiah. They didn't think of, in light of uh, what they saw, they didn't expect Him to be the true Messiah. He didn't measure up, and so people what? They rejected Him. And people still do the same thing in our day. They evaluate the claims of Christ, and they say, no way, this Christ can't be who He claims to be. Not much has changed today, because we have people still rejecting Him, because they don't believe that He measures up to what they're expecting. You hear that Christ is narrow in our day. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so that's narrow in our culture. There's other religions, there's other gods that people worship. Buddha, Allah, all of these other people. How can we claim that Jesus Christ is the only way? Well, I don't. Jesus does. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. He is narrow and His ways are narrow. And you'll hear that in our day. You'll hear that he's a good man, but he's not God. He was a prophet, but not the promised Messiah. Jesus to the Jews was not strong enough to accomplish national freedom. Because if you remember, they were looking for a king on a white horse to come in and destroy and to lead the nation. No, he was not a king that was like that. He was a king that came to serve. He was a king that came to save. And he was a king that came to suffer. And yet, while the world around us rejects him, we must remember that we need to continue to go to him. We need to continue to come to him because God has chosen him. And he is precious in the sight of the king of the universe. There is no other name that has been given to men by which we must be saved except through Jesus Christ. They can reject Him and so can you today. But remember that Christ, this living stone, is choice 
and precious in the sight of God. This Jesus is loved by the Father, and the Father says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Acts 2, 23-24 spells out this for us as it says this, This man delivered over by the predetermined plan in the foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. It was a predetermined plan that Jesus Christ would be what he was, the Messiah. He was chosen, he was choice, and he was precious, and he is in the sight of God. What we have is a God who holds his Son highly exalted. He is a living stone that is considered extraordinary. He is considered costly and highly esteemed. And He says that I am the first and the last. In the living when I was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys to death in Hades is what we read in Revelation chapter 1. This Jesus is God's Son and to be highly esteemed. And we need to come to Him every day in repentance. And out of necessity, we need not only continuously come to Christ, but secondly, we need to continuously bring acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. I find this passage points out our necessity to bring acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. And so that must mean there is a time and a place in which you and I do not bring acceptable sacrifices to God. He says this in 1 Peter 2 verse 5. He says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He starts this out with the word you. And so what is the question? Is, is you in the singular or is you in the plural? So I looked it up and guess what? It's in the plural. So right here you could say y'all. You could say y'all also are living stones that are being built up. And so we are, you and me, all of us are living stones. And if Jesus is a living stone and we are living stones, then we have inherited some kind of life-given spirit that can never die. You see, when we come to Jesus Christ and believe in the gospel, you share life in Christ. And you will always live. He who has the Son has the life. You see, when you come to Christ, you have eternal life. It's not some transition that takes place when you hit the grave. No, it's in the present tense. He who has the Son has the life. And so, if you are in Christ, you have eternal life right now. You will never taste death because you are a living stone. So, so you as Christians this morning are stones. We as a community of believer are living stones. And we as a church 
are living stones. Ephesians 2, 19-22 says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are being built into a spiritual house. What is, when you think about that, what does that mean to you? We are being built into a spiritual house. And each one of us is a living stone. When we as a church begin to work together, we can do great things for the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we must grow together, not as individuals, but together as living stones. And when we become joined together with others that are living stones, then and only then can we primarily become part of God's building of a spiritual house. Because let me tell you, it takes a whole bunch of stones to build a house. And each stone has to be set in its proper place at the proper time and so that it's fashioned in the perfect sense in which God wishes it to be. We as a church need to work together. We all need to be on the same page and understand what the purpose is. When a man builds a golf course, he uses a set of plans. In all of my years of building housing developments, I never built one without a set of plans. When a man builds a block home, he uses blueprints. A man would never try to build a building or a church without counting the cost and without going off a set of blueprints. And if you and I are building and, and we're, we're taking place and you got a little building going on over there, you got a little building going on down there, and you got a little bit going on up here, and no one has a set of blueprints, do you see where it's going to go? I mean, if I were to stick a road in and, and put a nice granite curb in, and then I scratch my head and say, you know what, I forgot to put the sewer in, we're going to be in trouble. Because the sewer lays right under the road. And then I'm going to have to dig the road up here and dig this up and then do this and then lay it back down instead of following the blueprint. I sure don't know how to build a church without a blueprint. I don't know how to build a job site without a blueprint. We need direction. We need focus, concentration, and purpose of where we as a church are going. And when we meet next week, there's some of those things that are going to be addressed. And we need you here so we can work together as stones and we can stack and build on top of one another. We are being built into spiritual houses. And we need to accomplish a specific goal with a well-structured process. 
Because all of us are part of these living stones and each part has to be placed in a specific area. When you build a project, if you don't put the right things in the right time, it causes a big mess. We are being built, but my question is, are we being built in a way? Because listen, everything leads, everything functions and flows into a certain order in this passage of Scripture. Okay? The question is, are we being built in the proper manner for bringing acceptable sacrifices to God? That's the question. When I studied this passage, this is what it is to me. Yes, you are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, okay? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the way a spiritual house, and what is speaking of here is a church, and the church is full of its people, and the people are the pillar of support for the truth of the household of God. And even so, we are believers not only function as a spiritual house, but also as a holy priesthood. That's what we're supposed to be. Do you know that as a believer, you are considered a priest? As followers of Jesus Christ, each one of us are considered part of a holy priesthood. Well, Stuart, I'm not a priest. I'm far from a priest. Well, listen, I'm not talking about a priest as, as far as the Catholic Church would teach. And I'm not talking about a priest as the Old Testament would teach, being that you're only able to go into the holies of holies once a year. No, that's not what I'm saying. You are a holy priest because why? You are chosen and precious in the sight of God. What were the priests then? They were chosen. And they weren't a perfect people who were chosen, if you remember. They were stained, they were ugly, they were sinful people. But God chose them. You are holy priests because God has chosen and consecrated you to Him. Didn't He already see that Jesus was the living stone? And that we are living stones as well? That means to be chosen. And if Christ was chosen in a living stone, then we are also a living stone. That would mean that we are chosen and precious in the sight of God, made to bring sacrifices to the Lord that is acceptable. What does it mean to be priest? It means this, that we have the cleansing of our sins wiped away through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted the Lord, guess what? You can't offer sacrifices to God. You can give. You can try your hardest. But you can't offer sacrifices to God. Because you're not a holy priest. You have not been cleansed. You don't wear the garments of righteousness. And today I want you to know that you could become clean today through, through Jesus Christ. Because He made it possible but if you would simply believe in Him. Look, today can be the first day that you come into a lasting and eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be a holy priesthood which brings acceptable sacrifices to God. Because this is the only way 
that we can do it is through Jesus Christ. You see, Isaiah saw what it looked like for a people to burden God with sacrifices that were not acceptable. If you will, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, beginning there in verse 11. It says this, What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and fattened of cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to me to appear before me, who requires of you trampling of my cords? These people were coming and they were bringing offerings and sacrifices, and he calls it a trampling within the courts. He says this, bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies cannot endure iniquity. And the solemn assembly, I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Do you see these people were, they worshiped God with their mouths, but their lives were in shambles, and yet they still tried to bring sacrifices to the God of the universe, and God says, they're a burden to me. He says this, and so when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, Even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. This morning, all I want to do is bring the reality is that sometimes we can bring sacrifices to God that are not acceptable. And that's where you have to evaluate who you are in Christ, what your life looks like, and do you sacrifice acceptable to God or unacceptable? You see, men can come to God, but sometimes they're not acceptable sacrifices. Romans 12, 1 says, I plead with you, dear brothers and sisters, to give your bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will accept. When you think of what He's done for you, is this too much to ask? That's what He says. Your bodies as a living sacrifice. How can our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice? And another question is, how can they be a dead sacrifice? How can our bodies be living or dead sacrifices? What are we doing with our eyes? How do we handle our eyes, men? They're part of our bodies. What about our minds? What about our tongue? What about where our feet take us? We are crucified with Christ. Listen, I now understand that. But when we are not right with God, and you know when you're not right with God, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if you're living in habitual sin... If you're not asking for forgiveness and seeking how to grow up out of that, then you're not right with the Lord this morning. And your sacrifices are not acceptable to God. 
And the reason I say this is so that you can begin to enjoy giving acceptable sacrifices to God and to live lives as holy priests. Isaiah, again, starting in verse 18 there in chapter 1, he gives us a better hope. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are as red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey. He says, I will give you and you will eat the best of the land. You see, when we consent to the Word of God to repent on a daily basis of our sins. Look, we're all sinful. Nobody can stand up and say, I'm not a sinner. I'm perfected in Christ. Yes, we're perfected in Christ. But we still are attacked with sin on a daily basis. And therefore, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling by repenting every day and claiming 1 John 1.9. And when we come to God in that fashion, then our, our, our sacrifices are acceptable to God. But if we're living in habitual sin, knowingly, living together unmarried, all, all, listen, there's a ton of these things that we could list. If, if you know you're living in sin, it's unacceptable to God. And we want you to be right with God so that you don't waste your sacrifices, that they don't become a burden to God. But that you begin to, to be built up into a spiritual house which are placed as blocks Based off of the cornerstone, you know what a cornerstone is? A cornerstone is placed on the foundation and every other stone in the building is laid off of the cornerstone. And we need to make sure that we're being stones, living stones, placed in the right place at the right time off of the cornerstone that we might become holy priests. And what did priests do? They took... The lambs, they took the ox, they took these, and they made sacrifices on the altars. And now we have become a holy priesthood. Jesus Christ has been our high priest. He is now and forever. We don't have to keep offering those sacrifices on the altar. No, God has made a way in which we have been crucified with Christ and we have been clothed in righteousness. <coughs> and today Christ wants your life. He wants your everything. And the sacrifice that Christ made is far beyond anything you or I could ever sacrifice. We can't give enough money to match up to what God's plan is for our lives. And therefore God, He, he can ask us to be a spiritual house for Him that is, is full of holy priests. Making acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 6, 8 says, For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a, a precious cornerstone. He who believes in Him will not be disappointed. I tell you today that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ... He will begin to make you into the woman or man that God wants you to be. 
He wants you to be a holy priest that makes acceptable sacrifices to the Lord God. This precious value then is for those who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and God trips them up through His Word and through the power of Jesus Christ every day. They fight against the will of God. They don't want to submit to the will of God. They want to live in habitual sin. And I tell you, if that's you today, then you will be a stumbling all the time over Jesus Christ. And one day you'll see that this very stone that's rejected has been placed the cornerstone. And every church in America and across the world will be built off the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. I believe everyone here this morning has the opportunity to choose Christ as an individual. For those who don't, we will continue to pray for you. And that God will open your eyes and your heart to see the wonderful truth the gospel. Let us pray. Father God, we do love you and we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for your sovereign mercy, your grace, and your provision for salvation. And God, we thank you for allowing us to be living stones chosen by God before the foundations of the world. As you new and foreknowledge you would accept you Lord and I pray God that you allow us to stack stones where they need to be stacked and that we as a body a believing body a temple God that we can bring honor and glory to you and acceptable sacrifices as a bunch of holy priests I pray this morning that there's some here that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord. God, that you would open their eyes. That they would taste of the goodness of God. And that they would believe the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that we would stop in our own powers and our own ways trying to live ourselves to God. Trying to be good enough people to get there. Because your word says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, even those who are in Christ. And so when he died on that cross and said to Telestai, he said, it is finished. Paid in full. There's nothing, God, that we need to do. And we understand that. And I pray you open the eyes of those who don't know that today. And that you would give them assurance of salvation. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.